Welcome to From Lawyer to Employer, a Shipman podcast, bringing you the latest developments in labor and employment law, offering you practical considerations for your organization. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to From Lawyer to Employer, a Shipman podcast bringing you the latest developments in labor and employment law. I'm your host, once again, Gabe Durand and Sarah Westby. My colleague has joined us. You may remember Sarah from a prior podcast where we were talking about the growing cannabis industry in Connecticut. Welcome back, Sarah. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Great to have you. Um, We're going to stay on the topic uh, with cannabis with you, given your expertise in the area and really you being at the forefront of this industry in Connecticut and otherwise. We want to talk today a little bit about cannabis use in the workplace. This goes toward two things, really. We have had medical marijuana since 2012, and then uh, most recently, coming effective July 1, 2022, we have some restrictions regarding recreational marijuana. And so that's what we want to talk about today. So let's just start with the basics. I mean, we know that adult use of cannabis has been approved in Connecticut, and that applies across the state. So um, I guess the employers are out there wondering, what does this mean? Does, you know, now are our employees allowed to use marijuana at work? Can they do so before work? That sort of thing. Are there some restrictions on that? Absolutely. And you probably recall we've been getting these questions since about this time last year when the statute passed. And so we saw a wave of concern from employers about what this means. You know, are employees going to be using cannabis in the office? Are they going to be coming to work high? And there's a a couple of things to keep in mind here. First, the cannabis statute reinforced and even strengthened some provisions of the Clean Air Act, which applies to smoking in the workplace. And it applies to both smoking of tobacco and nicotine products and cannabis products. So as a categorical matter, you cannot smoke in the workplace. The old law used to allow designation of smoking rooms or designated areas in the workplace where you could smoke. That's no longer allowed. And in fact, you can't smoke cannabis or tobacco anywhere in the workplace or within 25 feet of any door, window, or air intake vent with limited exceptions. Does that include vaping? It does include vaping. Good question. Yeah, I, I just had that question the other day, actually. Somebody said, well, wait a minute, you know, can I vape? And you know, it's the, you, you can, regardless. Marijuana, tobacco, can't vape, right? Correct. But there are a lot of other ways to use cannabis products, such as edibles, drinks, and tinctures. And that's where a lot of these new laws will come in and these new rules for employers. But I think the important thing for employers to keep in mind is that they do not need to allow cannabis use in the workplace And they do not need to tolerate their employees being under the influence of cannabis, just like alcohol, just like any other controlled substance or drug. That's some of the advice I've given to our clients is say, look, let's start at the base level. Let's put cannabis on the same level as alcohol. What rules apply there? And like you said, you you can't come to work drunk, so you can't come to work high either. But it's not quite that simple, I think, mainly because uh, we'll talk about testing at some point, you know, with alcohol you can get a blood alcohol test and it tells you what your current blood alcohol is with the testing with marijuana, you know, it may show up as a positive, but it doesn't tell you that you're actually high at the time. Unless they, have they made any strides on that? As far as I know, that the testing is still pretty tricky because as you note, 
cannabis can show up in your system days and even weeks after you've used it. And, you know, with some people, they don't show the same clear effects of being high that would give an employer a reasonable suspicion to test as you see with alcohol. A lot of employers are actually taking cannabis off their routine toxicology screens. But it still presents a difficult question for an employer of what to do when you suspect that someone is under the influence of cannabis in the workplace. But there are protections in the law for that. Yeah, and let's we'll get into law in, the, in a second. I, I wanted to share something that I heard the other day. A client called me, and they had an employee that showed up smelling very strongly of cannabis. And so they called me and said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, you confront the employee, obviously. And the employee said, I wasn't smoking cannabis. I was vaping tobacco that was flavored to smell like cannabis, which I thought was a pretty novel position for the employee to take. But apparently the employee came in and presented something that was exactly that. And, uh, you know, what I said was, well, I don't care what you were smoking. You can't come to work smelling like marijuana. I mean, like, just like you can't come to work smelling like alcohol. I don't care if you use alcohol as like cologne or something. You can't show up that way. Anyway, let's let's get into what the, the rules are here. As I understand it, there's actually some employers that are exempt from regulation. So the law creates a designation between exempt and non-exempt employers and exempt and non-exempt positions. And those rules don't mean that none of the rules apply to exempt employers or anything like that. What it means is that if you're an exempt employer or an employer of someone in an exempt position, you have even more leeway to regulate cannabis use both inside and outside the workplace. So I think, you know, as a baseline, all employers can prohibit use of cannabis in the workplace. But exempt employers can also prohibit use outside of the workplace with or without a policy in place. And non-exempt employers can prohibit cannabis use outside of the workplace, which may come as a surprise to most people. But you have to have a policy in place and you have to give your employees advance notice. And we probably won't get into this today, but there's a whole host of enforcement issues and discrimination concerns with enforcement for use outside of the workplace. But those are still protections that employers have. Now, an exempt employer is someone who is essentially in a public health or safety position. So the primary activity of those employers would include mining, utilities, construction, manufacturing, educational services, healthcare, and public order. And those positions, as you would imagine, you want to have heightened protections against any kind of possession or use of adult-use cannabis in the workplace. And you may want to have rules and enforcement capabilities against use outside of the workplace as well. Yeah, so if we stop there, let's just use the educational establishments, you know, schools. You know, we our firm represents a lot of schools, and so you, I guess I could understand the purpose behind that is to— say, well, school, you could prohibit recreational use inside or outside the workplace because you're supposed to be modeling behavior for students. And it seems like that that was the purpose behind that. I think that was one of the purposes behind it. And also, you can take action, adverse action against the employee if you find out that they've used cannabis outside of the workplace. And you don't have to have that policy in place or give them advance notice. That's just, as you said, it's a, it's a modeling behavior. Yeah, you look at the um, justice, public order, and safety positions. So you're like police officers. Or... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. 
There's also exempt positions. We already mentioned police officers, probably teachers are in there too, but what other ones are exempt positions? Right, so you can have an employer who's not necessarily exempt, but they have positions within their entity or organization that are exempt. So for example, a town, you may have clerical employees who are not exempt, but you may have police officers or firefighters who are exempt. So the same rules would apply to anyone in those exempt positions that might not apply to other positions under the umbrella of the same employer. So for example, you might need a policy to punish or prohibit cannabis use outside the workplace for certain positions within your organization, but not for others. We get this question all the time for employees who have CDLs, commercial driving licenses. There's a federal regulation on that that requires random drug testing. And so that obviously, and we, as we talked about in the last podcast, cannabis is still illegal on a federal level, so the, all those rules still apply, right? Absolutely. So this state law does not do anything to affect the rules that apply to those positions designated under federal law, like having a CDL. For our listeners, if you're not well-versed in this, the, the general rule is that the federal law will prevail over a conflicting state law, but a state law can be more generous than a federal law. We talked a little bit about preemption and stuff in our last podcast, but we don't want to get too far afield there, but that's the general rule. And so there's this conflict here that has yet to be resolved about, you know, states like Connecticut who have authorized recreational use and what it means on a federal level, but that's a little bit beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. Let's talk about the rules that would apply to exempt employers and exempt positions versus non-exempt. Uh, you already talked a bit about you can prohibit somebody using at the workplace while they're working. What about taking disciplinary action against an employee who has used marijuana or cannabis outside the workplace? So that's where the exempt, non-exempt designation comes in. All employers can prohibit use and intoxication in the workplace. But if you are an exempt employer, you can also prohibit use outside of the workplace and take disciplinary action if you find out that someone has used outside of work or off-duty without having a policy in place and without giving your employees advance notice. That's, that's really the key difference there. If you're a non-exempt employer or you're an employer who's dealing with a non-exempt position, you have to have a policy in writing that's distributed to your employees before you take any type of action. A lot of our clients have drug-free workplace policies and such. Are they going to have to revise those now? If they want to prohibit use outside of the workplace, they need to specify that. Yeah, so that's something that employers will have to look at is, you know, this is as of July 1, 2022. So looking at your policies and making sure that they hit on this issue. I mean, like you said, we have many clients who have stopped testing for it, who basically say whatever you do in your, your personal life is up to you, putting on the same level as alcohol. You just can't, you know, be under the influence at work. And, and so I think employers have to make that decision. But your point is a good one, is if you want to prohibit use outside of work, you need to have that policy. That's right. What about possession? That seems like a tricky one. I, I'm not using, but I possess some sort of cannabis product at work. So both exempt and non-exempt employers have to allow the possession of cannabis by a qualifying medical patient but they do not need to allow the possession of adult-use cannabis. Okay, so if I'm an employer that I don't care what you do in your free time, but you can't bring it to work, 
right? Right, unless you have a medical marijuana card. Got state. it. Okay. So again, getting back to the the simplified view that I use sometimes is, you can drink alcohol, at, you know, outside of work, but don't bring a bottle of alcohol to work, right? Right. Similar. Okay. And it gets a little bit tricky with the outside of work policy. Like, for example, if you have someone on social media who's posting pictures of them smoking or high, you know, just like you would with drinking. And and that's where it might come onto the employer's radar. So the employer has to decide, you know, do I want to delve into my employee's privacy like that? You know, if they're making a flagrant show of it, do we get involved in that one point? And that's where, particularly for the non-exempt employers, you really need to be clear in your policy. Yeah, I think that's an important point because yeah, use alcohol again. If if somebody is on social media showing themselves doing something reckless or careless with alcohol, that may reflect poorly on the employer and then the employer could do something about it. It's a little bit of a fine line, but I think the analogy is there for a cannabis product as well. It'd be a similar analysis. Exactly. And I think that's what the legislators had in mind here with including these protections in the statute. We talked about teachers, for example, obviously, if they're on social media showing themselves smoking marijuana, that would be a problem for students if they saw that, if they're friending students on social media and that sort of thing. But you can think of a host of other issues where employees are doing things and uh, it might be associated with the employer. And, you know, let's just say they're in uniform. Right. And and I'm not even talking about— Great example. Yeah, like not even a police officer. I'm talking about you take a maintenance worker that has the company logo on their shirt and is all over social media smoking marijuana. Is that the reflection that the employer wants on its company? Maybe not. And that's something that I think could be addressed. Right. And so in that instance, the employer should put in its policy, if they're a non-exempt employer, that you can't engage in any of these activities while wearing company logos or on company property. Certainly not in a company vehicle. Yes. Which does show up every once in a while on social media. If we look at the other rules that would apply, the the policy is something we keep on coming back to. Have you been seeing a lot of activity of employers getting ahead of this and getting their policies revised now? Absolutely. We saw a good deal of that last year when the statute first came out. Employers wanted to know, do we need a policy and what does it need to say? And so we were assisting a lot of employers with tweaking and even drafting new policies to cover cannabis. Yeah, I think that's an important point is that As we mentioned before, most employers probably have some sort of policy in place. So it may be simple revisions to the existing policy, or you may need a whole new policy altogether. But that's where we come into the picture as employment lawyers, is that we can look at those policies and, uh, you know, really have a discussion with the client as to what is your goal here, and then we can fashion the policy accordingly. Definitely. And of course, with any employment situation, you're going to have tricky questions that come up that cause you to rethink your policy, redraft your policy, or even double down and say, gee, we're really glad that we uh, hired Shipman and Goodwin to help us draft this policy. <laughs> right. Nice <laughs> plug there. Yes. I think uh, if we talk about the takeaways from this for the employers, I mean, hopefully we've explained a bit about what the rules are and what you can and can't do, uh, which still I think a lot of employers are unclear about. But, you know, I think to your point, these rules, the, the ways that you deal with these issues evolve over time. It's just like legislation that if something happens and then you have to do something in response to it. And so I would c- encourage employers to not think of this as we've taken one stance, that's it forever, and we're never going to change. Employers have the ability to change their policies, you know, reconsider their positions, 
I will say as a labor lawyer, you know, if there's a union involved, you might have to negotiate some of these things. And so keep that in mind. But, you know, with with this being fairly recent in Connecticut anyway, you know, employers, I think, need to be cautious in, in their initial stance, but also reserve the right to change them if necessary. On that point, it seems like the key here is communication with the employees. Would you agree? Definitely. And uh, one thing I think we'd be remiss if we didn't address is whether employers need to make reasonable accommodations for medical marijuana patients to use cannabis either while on duty or before work that could have an effect on their ability to do their jobs while working. And just like any other disability and any other drug that can be used to treat a medical condition, employers always need to consider whether they need to make a reasonable accommodation for that person to be able to do their job if they have a qualifying disability in Connecticut. So for example, if someone has anxiety and they use cannabis to treat their anxiety, do you need to make an accommodation for them to either use cannabis while on duty or before work, which may have an effect on their presence in the workplace? And so it's it's a difficult question that, that needs to be considered case by case. It's important for the employer to remember that you don't have to grant an accommodation that's going to cause the worker to be impaired in terms of not being able to perform the essential functions of their job or if it's going to impose an undue hardship. But if you have an employee who is doing a desk job, they use cannabis to treat anxiety, and it's not going to have any detrimental effect on the ability to do their job or their presence in the workplace, then you might want to consider allowing that employee to do so with certain parameters. And again, Gabe, you mentioned communication. It really all comes down to communication between the employer and the employee and setting clear rules. If we think of it that way for for treating a, a medical condition, think of it as any other prescription or drug or controlled substance, somebody that's on pain medication. If they have to take pain medication just to get out of bed and come to work, and it doesn't otherwise impair their cognitive abilities and ability to do the job, maybe that's, that's okay. But obviously, you can't have somebody who's on pain medicine driving you know, a big tractor or a truck or something like that. The other thing that you mentioned at the beginning about the possession for somebody who has a medical card, you know, I, I think there are circumstances where you could prohibit possession. For example, somebody works in a detention facility or a correctional facility, you obviously can't come in with drugs there because the inmates might be able to access them. And that would be the same as anything else. You wouldn't allow a correctional officer to come to work with Oxycontin or something like that. And so I think you have to look at each specific circumstance from an accommodation standpoint and always think about, is it a reasonable accommodation and is there an undue burden associated with it? And so the analysis is the same. It gets a little complicated, I understand, but it's it's basically the same analysis now that we have it as a as a medical treatment. And would there be some issue with that? Always coming back to what are the essential functions of the job and can the employee actually perform them? Thank you for circling back to that. I think if we we wrap up and uh, leave our audience with with one takeaway that we've mentioned, it's looking at your policy, communicating with employees. I think open conversations are very important in this subject matter. And employees should understand the rules and the employers should communicate to them what they are so that there are no surprises. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you again all for listening and uh, we hope that you'll listen again soon. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Lawyer to Employer, a Shipman podcast. This podcast is produced and copyrighted by Shipman and Goodwin, LLP. All rights reserved. The contents of this communication are intended for informational purposes only and are not intended or should not be construed as legal advice. This may be deemed advertising under certain state laws. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We hope you will join us again.